Hello and welcome to Who Gives a Flux, a Doctor Who podcast. And here at Flux HQ, we are on a journey, travelling with the 10th Doctor and the fabulous Donna Noble on their path to the 60th anniversary specials. Welcome to the road to the 14th Doctor. My name is Mike and each week I am discussing two episodes from arguably the most successful era that Doctor Who has ever had and thankfully I am with guest today joining me to discuss The Stolen Earth and Journey's End. It's Martin. Hello Martin. Hello Mike. Thank you for having me. Oh thank you for coming on. How the devil are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've had a bit of a lazy weekend so I've been looking forward to this. Oh, good. Me too, actually. I mean, lazy and looking forward. <laughs> um, thanks for joining me as well for this chat. I am glad the Subwave Network is open and we can actually hear each other. Yeah, we should uh, We should look out for Captain Jack and uh, all the rest. We should, although probably not um, Harriet <laughs> Jones, because she's sadly no longer with us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so before we start today's chat about these episodes, I just wanted to ask you, because it's your first time on the pod, um, about your kind of general thoughts and feelings about Series 4 and the Tenant and Tate era. Oh, this was the golden age of Doctor Who. We've never had it as good as we did with Series 4. We had Series 4 of Doctor Who, and we had two active spin-offs in development that were going on different times of the year, Every time you'd walk in Woolworths or WH Smith or Toys R Us, you were just confronted by Doctor Who merch. We I miss those days. <laughs> yeah, and I remember going to see Cloverfield at the cinema in 2008 and there being a trailer for Doctor Who. Wow. And I remember thinking, wow, yeah, the show has really arrived now. Oh, 100%. It's, it, it really, really... You're right, it's never been the same as it. This was the kind of zenith. This was it. Yeah, we we were so lucky to have this. Even people I know that never watched Doctor Who were talking about it. Wow. Yeah, especially there's a cliffhanger in what we're going to talk about. And mm -hmm. I remember people at work coming up to me and being like, you're a Doctor Who fan. What do you think is going to happen? And people were putting bets. They were going down to like William Hill and stuff and putting yeah. bets on who would be the next Doctor. Yeah. It was huge. The speculation was mad. Yeah, just what a time to be a Doctor Who fan. Oh, 100%, 100%. And we obviously we're here to talk about the the finale of series 4, which is I mean, for me it's a fantastic series finale. And I guess all the episodes leading up to this point have all been had their own part to play in 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 this finale as well, which has been which was just such a great journey to be on with these characters and i cannot wait to talk to you about the stolen earth so i think we should just jump in we should just go for it um for our listeners who might not remember exactly what it's about i'm about to attempt to read what it says on wikipedia i don't know if you've had a chance to hear any of these episodes yet but the wikipedia reading has not been my favorite part <laughs> of the episode but wish me luck i will i will rattle through it i've so, got fingers crossed for you Honestly, I, I, yeah, Wikipedia needs an overhaul. Um, in this episode, contemporary Earth 
and 26 other planets are stolen by the Daleks, aided by their megalomaniac, whatever, I tripped over that word, uh, creator Davros and a shattered but precognitive Dalek Khan. As the Doctor and his companion Donna try to find Earth, his previous companions, Captain Jack, Martha Jones, Sarah Jane Smith and Rose Tyler, convene to contact him and mount a defence against the Daleks. And in the episode's climax, the Doctor Doctor is gunned down by a Dalek and begins to regenerate. To be fair, that is one of the better ones, other than Megalomaniac. <laughs> other than that word, that did kind of succinctly describe the episode. So, Martin, what do you think about the Stolen Earth? Oh, I think it's a great, fun story. And this is the one I want a Target novel of the most. Mm-hmm. Just imagine the way they could expand on this. It's just glorious. I love that when the TARDIS lands on Earth and then the Earth gets moved, the TARDIS stays in the same place. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, this episode does have its faults. And I think it showcases just how difficult Doctor Who spin-offs are. Because, okay, for a Doctor Who spin-off, okay, for a normal spin-off, like, let's use Buffy as an example. Yes, let's. Buffy and you get Angel. Angel is as competent as Buffy. He can kill vampires like she can. He's as strong as she is. He can go off and do his own show. But with Doctor Who, you need the threat to be big enough that the, sp- the spin-off is justified in existence. Yes. You need there to be a show. But you can't have it too big that the audience is questioning, where's the Doctor? Yes. That's and a I very good point. Torchwood falls into that trap with Series 3 and 4. Uh, Sarah Jane doesn't really, but in this episode, it kind of takes away from them as characters and their own shows. Because what do they do when the Daleks invade? Well, the Tortured team, they wait in hub crying. <laughs> and then yeah, they do. stays up in an attic waiting with Luke until they know the Doctor's coming. And then that's when they spring into action. And I think it kind of takes away from them as characters and their own shows. That's such an interesting point that I, I have never thought about it from that perspective before. Yeah. Because obviously we're watching Doctor Who and they are in Doctor Who. So whilst they are here as the Doctor is the hero, they they sort of deputize for that. Um, so it's really interesting that you're, you're right. It does take away because if this happened in their own show, what would they do? You're right. They would have to spring into action sooner to try and save the day. And I get that it's Doctor Who, and Doctor Who is the main character. Let's let's not forget that. Yeah, but yeah, it, they just feel really passive. And Jack's an immortal who's got a gun that can blow up Daleks, but yeah, he just sits in the hub. Yeah, he does. He does do that. I wonder what. I mean, obviously, the decision has been made to do that because he's Russell's building towards a big reunion at the end of the episode i guess and i guess he's got a lot of pieces on the board he's trying to play around with to get to the same place um but you are right jack does have more to give but then at the same time this threat is so big i guess i guess that's what what russell's trying to say is the threat is so big of the daleks that and davros that torchwood isn't enough yeah true true Mm. I, I've always thought what would have been interesting. I don't know if you watched the Arrowverse shows like The Flash and stuff like that. So yes, I have, but I'm not like I haven't watched them all to their end. But I'm quite well versed in it. I always thought it would have been really interesting if we'd got like a special episode of Torchwood, 
where we saw them dealing with this and then they coincide with the doctor and same for Sarah Jane and uh, they each work as their own thing. But then if you watch them together, it would make a larger story. I always thought that would have been a much better way to do this. Yes, that would have been interesting. It would have given them all a bit more time as well to be the heroes that they are. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that is actually. All, good, all yeah. said, I love this episode. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great one. It is a great one. So, let's talk about the Doctor and Donna then first. Sure. Because I feel like their story is sort of intertwined in this, and and actually in a kind of weird way, they they they, they aren't really the focus of the episode. They, I know they're desperately trying to find the stolen Earth, and and they visit the Shadow Proclamation. And they they do discover the twenty seven planets that have been taken out of time and space. Um, but for a while they they're kind of quite lost. I think a lot of the focus is on the companions. So, what do you think about the Doctor and Donna's part of this story? Oh, I yeah, they they are a bit passive in the beginning, but they need to be. We need to build up the threat. We need to then bring them in. But Catherine Tate, I mean, what a revelation she was! I remember watching the Runaway Bride and thinking, oh, she's just shouty. Catherine mm -hmm. Tate. This is pretty much what I was expecting. And I remember when she was announced that she was coming back, I was one of those sad losers on the forums being like, oh, she's going to ruin it, blah, blah, blah. How wrong was I? She was brilliant. And, you know, Series 4 had the strongest run of episodes, I think, in the 60 years of Doctor Who. From the library onwards, there's not a dud in mm -hmm. Series 4. They all work. And I think that's why this era is so fondly remembered amongst fans. You're right. Uh, she is fantastic. And, you know, there's a reason she's coming back. You know, and, and obviously David Tennant, you know, can't, you can't keep him from coming back. But Catherine Tate, for her to come back and want to come back to play this character again, is just... So exciting. I mean, I know that there's going to be a lot of questions about that from a from a story point of view, you know, what's going on around Donna Noble. And I'm really looking forward oh. to getting into that. But like just to see the team back together is just such an exciting one. Are you looking forward to the 60th? Bit of a oh, tangent. Absolutely. When I saw that trailer, I was like, all right, Doctor Who's back. And okay, I I know it's easy to lay the blame at, at Jodie Whittaker and Chris Gibnall, and people say that's where it fell off the cliff. But for me, Doctor Who started to go down after the 50th anniversary. I don't think it's ever quite recaptured that magic. It sort of became a different beast, didn't it? I think it did. It did change. I think it's so. I, I'm I'm not a huge lover of the Matt Smith era. I like it. He just wasn't my Doctor. But I think he's really good as the Doctor. But yeah, bear with. Um, Capaldi, it's a very, very different era. And I think you can see people dropping off. You're right, after the 50th, after that big celebration, it starts winding down, doesn't it? I mean, having said that, I, I personally love the Capaldi era, but I can see how it was no longer the sort of mainstream big success, like you said, with people talking about it you know, at work. It just it just wasn't that was it. It became a very different show, and then the same for Jodie. You know, it was a it was a a brand new sort of stepping on point for people, and it but it was a different show again. This now the sixtieth does feel like it does feel like a return to those good old days. 
and that's what it's supposed to feel like and that's not knocking what's happened in between it's just a it's just a really nice way to celebrate and to be nostalgic all at the same time absolutely and it should be a big fan service event for the anniversary yeah. and moving on with shooty i hope it goes in like a much better new fresh direction but for the 60th anniversary i just want tenant and tate being their characters and yeah i'm looking forward to seeing bernard cribbins back i mean how how lucky i know it was a tragedy how we ended up being in doctor who in the first first yeah. place but how lucky were we to get bernard cribbins oh, so lucky he is just a joy isn't he i can't stop watching him he uh, just he's just amazing absolutely amazing and he always makes me so sad, <laughs> but in a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like seeing your granddad cry. It's, it is. It really, yeah. really is. But yeah, I mean, I guess, so bringing it back to the Doctor and Donna for this episode, I think that you're right, they are <laughs> passive. And they, they, you're right, they have to be. There's, there's so much going on here. And um, all the pieces of the puzzle are put together. And when the the big bit for me for the Doctor in this episode, I think, is the part where um, he speaks to Davros for the first time again. And um, that that bit where he's sort of in the TARDIS and he looks quite frightened. And even Donna is there being like, it's okay, you're safe, we're safe, we're in the TARDIS, it's all right. I thought that was really quite good. Oh, Julian Bleach as Davros oh. is... And you know he's my first Davros. He's my Same. first introduction to Davros. And how good was he? Just honestly, just uh, just incredible. I can't. I, I, properly frightening, properly villainous, and like it's a, it's an over the top performance because it should be and it has to be, and it's pitched that way on purpose. And I love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If I have any weak points about this episode. Uh, there's one person in this that I think isn't given 100%, and that's Billy Piper. Mm, interesting. Put a pin in that. We'll come back to that moment. <laughs> so, yeah, the rest of the episode, I mean, Donna Donna has some you know, great parts in this, some great lines. She always has fantastic lines. I feel like all the writers of this series, I know that Russell, you know, does a one sort of the script as well, so I don't know exactly who has written what. But all of Donna's stuff is always just so banging. Like, you know, this where she's like, you know, um, I'm a human, just as important as Time Lords. Thank you very much. Uh, I love all that, where she her sass comes out, but in a in a really kind of like positive way. And even the doctor's like impressed by it. So I like the little bits like that, where she is doing that kind of practical adding up of all the kind of the series long mysteries that have been happening, you know, the, the planets disappearing the bees disappearing, you know, all that stuff. I thought that was really cool. So she does have some stuff to do, but it's not, she doesn't have a huge part to play in this particular story. It really is the rest of the companions on Earth that are the focus, you know, and their families and obviously from all the spin-offs. So, I mean, for me, I love seeing them all interacting and, you know, all the parts that they play. Um, so maybe we should spend some time touching base with the rest of the cast. So let's start with Martha and Martha's return. How does this land for you? Yeah, I think I, I love the character of Martha Jones. I think she's a very interesting character. I think Freeman Adjuman was still relatively new to the profession at this time. So maybe... She's not the best actress we've ever had in the show at that point. She's so much better now. I've seen her in stuff now. 
and she's incredible. But I think maybe a few little bits of her performance fall a little bit flat in this this early era. But Martha Jones as a character, she's strong enough to say, no, I need to leave you. Yeah. And we don't really get that that much. We see the companions either getting trapped somewhere or they're dying and then they need to stay behind. But to have a companion be like, no, this is a bad situation and I'm gone. It's rare for Doctor Who. It is. Especially in this kind of a new era. This isn't something that happens. Um, and you're right to think for me, Martha. This, see, this is what's interesting. I think this particular part of Martha returning would have been enough for me. I don't think I needed to see her really on in the season. I, I In the Sontaran two-parter, where her part is a bit sort of... Um, neither here nor there, her, her part in the story, as well as in the um, Doctor's Daughter. She's just sort of put through hell and then dropped off back at Earth. But this particular part, you know, seeing her at unit, I feel like this could have been her triumphant return to the show after her exit. This I would have been happy with that. I don't know how you feel. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, and it wouldn't have taken much to explain that she now works for unit. No, because... With her early appearances... They, they always felt like they were a last-minute addition. Mm. Especially with the Doctor's daughter. I wonder if she was in the first draft of that. I wouldn't be surprised if she wasn't. Yeah, maybe not. Oh, it, oh, there was certainly something contractual here, wasn't there? She was probably just contracted to appear in a certain number of episodes, and they just shoehorned her in. But it's, it's, it's not... There was not much point for being in the Doctor's daughter. I didn't really get that... But this, you know, after after her being in Torchwood Series 2 and coming to this, knowing that she worked for Unit, I mean, for us who were able to watch both of those shows, um, that would have been fine. I mean, the odd, the one little line would have been fine from Jack, sort of explaining who Martha was and where she was now. That would have been enough. I yeah. think it would have been good. Um, I do like her part in this, though. I do, I do like seeing Unit and seeing her kind of given the responsibility of the, of the Osterhagen key and... Project Indigo and all those things. God, he's, he loves a name, doesn't he, Russell? He loves a loves a kind of name on it. Oh, he's very good at it as well. Um, but yeah, I thought that Martha's part was um, really good. And you're right, Freema's performance, it's early on. And I think you're, she has developed since this. But yeah, nice. What about Torchwood then? Torchwood being in Doctor Who, how do you feel? Yeah, I like it, but it's, it's a sanitized version of Torchwood isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I would have been very interested to see this actually happen in Torchwood. Mm. We could have got a much darker take. I I like Torchwood. Um, Series 2 is my favourite. I think critically and just commercially Series 3 is the best. But if I've ever got 45 minutes and I feel like watching a Torchwood, it's Series 2 I reach for. So I love this team that we're seeing them just between Series 2 and 3 and they're you know, they're beaten and they're trying to recapture what they had. And I think John Barrowman's great in this two-parter. He is. He's not too over the top, is he? He's sort of playing the Jack from... Sort of the Jack from Torchwood, but a weird mix of the two of him from Doctor Who and him from Torchwood, because they are different. When he's in charge of the team, he does have a different way than when he's kind of a companion to the Doctor. But we all do that. We're all different people to different people. 100%. And, you know, I remember being at work once, uh, like our Christmas drinks, and my dad picked me up. 
And they said, oh, get your dad to come in and blah, blah, blah. And he was talking to my manager. And my manager was like, oh, Martin's great. You know, in two years, he's going to be running this place. And my dad went, what, really? <laughs> my my dad dumbfounded my dad that anyone would think that I would be capable of running a company. Wow. So, so you are right. You are right. It's different who you're with. It's who you, it makes you different, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to my dad, I was just this immature prick that he was coming to pick up this day <laughs> from, a, from a Christmas party. But to the people at work, I was respected and they liked me. And yeah, I've kind of always thought that Jack with Torchwood is living on your own. And Jack with the doctor, he's, he's back at his mom and dad's for the week. Yeah, you're right. That's a really good analogy, actually. And, but you are right. He's quite good in this. Yeah. Um, and seeing Gwen and Yanto, who you know have enough to do in the episode, which kind of uh, appeases the Torchwood fans, but isn't so over the top that if you haven't watched Torchwood, like the kids who are watching, I feel like they understood who they were. They're Jack's team, and they're there to help. And I think I think they do quite well actually. I think it's quite a good way in. It would have been really nice to see the story play out in Torchwood. You are completely right because I like a dark, yeah, dark adult story, and I think a lot of the time, as a Doctor Who fan, me personally, it's about accepting the balance between the fact that you love that dark storytelling, but that you're watching a show that's aimed for, at families. And that trying to strike that balance has always been quite a difficult one, I guess. And yeah. I think that, that, that for me, that's what it's always been about. So seeing seeing Torchwood here is a great middle ground. But you are right; it would have been so good to see this happening in Torchwood and in Sarah Jane as well, because we don't get Maria, we don't get Clyde, and it's, I know why they're not in it. If you put them in it, it's, it's too many more characters to yeah right around and you know if i've got any criticism of the chibnall era it's that he would have a good idea for four characters and then he'd whack 20 characters in there mm-hmm. and yeah i know i like that russell t davis was restrained here and is like no we just need luke and we just need sarah jane and luke's not into that much He's no a- but it's enough isn't it um, yeah you're right because that you are if they brought the rest of them in it would have been a step too far we have a lot of characters here and Luke isn't in it that much. He's got his little lines to say, which are important. And that's all we need him for, I guess. Oh, and Sarah Jane's reaction when she hears us, the Daleks. Oh, perfect. Still makes me get covered in goosebumps and just just eyes fill up with tears every time. It might be her best performance as uh, Sarah Jane for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I feel she gets... She gets the gravity of the situation, but it only really works if you know her history, I suppose. Yeah, but you, but you are right. There is there's there's a lot behind what she's doing here, and and she's a mum for the first time with this happening. So that it's it's a it's a big reaction, as it should be. Yeah, it's oh she she's incredible in this. I I I, I just, seeing her here is just a joy anyway. But then seeing all the stuff she gets to do is she she was so good she was so good we were so lucky to have her back and and be able to do this new version of who and and you know modern tv because it is different to what she was doing back in the day oh absolutely yeah and you know seeing her interact with davros again yeah oh chills 
And and at, at the point of seeing this for the first time, I hadn't seen Genesis of the Daleks. So it was something I've been, I've gone and watched back since. And yeah. then having rewatched The Stolen Earth now, getting all that, that story and all that history, it just, it's so good. And actually, it's something that Russell, um, he didn't do an awful lot of kind of callbacks to the classic era in that explicit a way, really, in his run. There wasn't that much of it, I don't think. There there are other showrunners who have done more of it. Um, he really did focus on it being kind of a modern telling of the story using using the stuff that already exists. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, but, but... He, he handled it perfectly. I mean, I didn't, when I first watched Rose, I didn't know the Autons were from Classic Who. No, same. Yeah, I, d I didn't know. It was like later I go on the forums and people would be like, oh, if you like the Autons, here's some stories that you should go and watch. But yeah, he handled it perfectly. And, you know, Stephen Moffat and Chris Chibnall were only able to bring in the stuff that they did because RTD laid the groundworks and he made it accessible to a new audience. Just imagine Rose yeah. with Paul McGann for the first 20 minutes. Oh, this, this is the thing. I think that we actually underestimate how important it was that Russell was as restrained as he was at that point yeah. during those first years, because we needed it to be a bit of a blank canvas and able to be able to dip in into the history selectively to tell the story that you need to tell. But I think that Russell's always very focused on telling the story that he wants to tell rather than just reflecting on the past. He sometimes uses pieces from the past to tell the part he needs to part to tell, but he doesn't rely on it because he's just so good at it. Yeah, I think the next doctor was the only like kind of outward reference to the past. Yeah. Where they show doctors and stuff. And I, I have I have problems with that episode, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you'll get to hear it on this podcast very very soon. Um, um, how do you feel about Harriet Jones's return? <laughs> I'm Harriet Jones, Prime Minister. Um, yes, yeah, she's a great actress, Penelope Wilton. I I love her. I mean, I think I first became aware of her with Shaun of the Dead. Oddly mm -hmm. enough, as Shaun's mom. Yeah, uh, same. But yeah, she's she's great. I, I did get a little bit sick of the I'm Harriet Jones Prime Minister. I don't think you needed that to the, the main cast. If she just said it to the Daleks, maybe it would have hit a little bit better. But saying it to every person, well, okay, you know who the Prime Minister is. Yeah, I think you're right. The first time she says it, you go, you kind of laugh. You think that's an amazing joke. It has to be repeated. And actually, you hit the nail on the head. If she'd done that to the Daleks as the first time, that would have been hilarious and then tragic almost in the same moment. And that would have been been brilliant. Yeah, but if you know, and it proves she's right. It proves that there are times the Doctor's not going to be here. Yeah, and That's... I don't blame her for blowing up the cigarettes ship in the Christmas Invasion. I think the British Prime Minister would do whatever they thought they had to do to keep the British people safe. Yes, agreed. Uh, that's what she felt at the time was the right thing to do. Yeah, and to be honest, I never, I've never thought she was wrong at doing that. And it, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a lovely turn in the moment of that episode, isn't it, where they are all you know, celebrating the fact that they are, have survived and they're leaving, and it becomes very serious and very human and 
and she, and she was right. She was right. 100%. It's, it's great to see her back, isn't it? It's lovely to see her back. And it is, it's a fleeting performance, but I just, I, it's lovely that she's there and she was thought of so highly in this kind of new iteration of Who that we get to see her come back for that, this kind of colder of her story. I loved it. Yeah, it's it's a mystery that Big Finish haven't done the Harriet Jones files. Yes. Why hasn't that happened? Considering the amount of like spin-offs they knock out that you're like, why have you made this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I'm surprised that hasn't happened. I'm surprised we've never had the Clive files. Yeah. With him investigating previous yeah. doctors. Yeah, just it boggles the mind. I mean, Tales of New New Earth, who wants that? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> But you're right, that they're, they're ready-made. They're ready to go. There's people here. There's characters with actual yeah. potential stories that could be very interesting. Oh, I will see. You've never, never seen that voice big finish. It all tends to get um, <laughs> spewed out, doesn't it? Um, we've also got Wilf and Sylvia, obviously, oh. in this episode, that are just brilliant. And I mean, they just feel so real to me. I love the little escapades, their adventures outside with the paint gun and uh, and their reactions with each other. I think they're just so natural. And I think I love them. I love that they're there. I love they have, they have their own story. Actually, I love that they've given these scenes, you know, without Donna, without the Doctor, that we get to see them as their characters. And that's quite unusual, in a way, for Doctor Who. Yeah, and they feel like a real family. They feel 100%. like father and daughter. They speak very authentically, very realistically. I think that's why Donna works so well, is because she, you know, I know people like her, and yeah. that is how they would react if they were on an alien planet. And I love that Wilf is the UFO conspiracy theorist. And, he <laughs> it. and you know, let's not forget, he fought in the World War. If there was an invasion, he would pick up arms and, yeah. and, go and try and defend his family, especially his daughter. Of course he would. It's, it's yeah. so realistic. In, and, but it's also funny. <laughs> it's also just really funny seeing them walking around, you know, kind of like up and down the alleys. Just, I think it's hilarious. So yeah, my fiance, my fiance said because she'd never really watched Doctor Who before we started doing a rewatch recently, yeah. and just before he fires the paintball gun, she was like, "Why does nobody ever take out the Daleks' eyes?" There we go. And that moment happened, and she's like, "Oh, okay, I get it." Yeah, yeah, because their vision would not be impaired. Yeah, but exactly. it's good thinking, though, isn't it? I love that he thought of that, and didn't Bernard Cribbins think of that? And yeah, he said it to Russell T. Davis. To Russell, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Madness. I tell you what I did think was smart as well, though, was to pair Rose with Wilf and Sylvia in this story, because we have come to it. We've come to Rose Tyler. I am desperate <laughs> to hear your thoughts about Rose's return. What do you think? I think she should never have come back. Um, even for Turn Left. I love Turn Left. But I think Billy Piper had forgotten how to play the character, and I think Russell T. Davis forgot how to write her. And every bit of character development we got from Rose is completely undone with these two episodes. We go from her being this strong, confident woman now that's at peace with who she is. She's at peace with being in a parallel universe. She's with her mom. She's got a dad back. She's happy. And with this, they take her back to early series two, Rose. I just want the doctor. I don't believe she's traveling, looking for a doctor that can help her with these stories. She's looking for her doctor. 
And yes. I think it just completely undoes her character evolution. I com- I do actually completely agree with you. This is not the rose that we ended up with. Yeah. This is some strange... I still have trouble, and I'm still trying to get my head around the um, how kind of prophetic Rose is in this. She seems to know an awful lot more than we do as an, as an audience and the rest of the characters until the point she's with the Doctor and then she doesn't know any more than we she does, if that makes sense. She's, she's there being like, oh, look, now we're in trouble. And she's like, it's only just beginning. And... But when she's with the doctor, she's like, the darkness is coming. And it's like, well, yes, we know that. It's it's bloody here already. The stars have gone out. We we, we get it. Um, but that's it. She doesn't know more. But all the way through this, she's always known more. And I still don't understand that. Yeah, it, it goes back to that problem of bringing in Tortured and Sarah Jane, I guess. is In turn left, we needed someone to guide Donna through. So she had to know more. And we get told she works for Tortured on that earth, which doesn't make any sense if there's no doctor. No. <laughs> that's right why Why yeah. would there be a Torchwood hmm unless, unless Queen Victoria went through that thing with the werewolf in that world and, and created it anyway could have I suppose could have yeah yeah but yeah it makes no sense if there's no Doctor and I do love Rose Tyler Dimension Canon by Big Finish I've been listening to that recently oh I haven't listened to that yet any good yeah I enjoy it she's travelling world to world looking for a Doctor but I always thought it would have been interesting to like team up with you know david warner or something but we're not ever going to get that now and i guess if if she met a doctor then it'd be like well why did she hold on for another doctor yeah and yeah it just undermines the character again but yeah and also billy piper's accent is way off yeah she does say doesn't she i think she's she has mentioned that she didn't she couldn't remember rose's accent at the beginning so, yeah. and then it's so it does i think it does sort of mellow out it does it does even out a bit as the episode goes along but you are right it does stick out she's not the same Rose it sounds Tyler. like she's in a root canal or something yes it sounds or, or like she's had new teeth <laughs> it sounds weird like she's had veneers or something all in her mouth and she doesn't she doesn't yeah. sound the same yeah no i i thought that too um and like generally i i i quite like rose right i'm gonna i'm, gonna, I'm not gonna just like criticize i do when i watched series one and two um i i quite i quite enjoy watching rose i think the more i've watched it and kind of looked at it from a more analytical point of view and you're seeing kind of especially rose with the 10th doctor and how they become a bit kind of like sassy and arrogant and i don't really love that side of their relationship laughing in the face of death you know because it just becomes the everyday norm for them i don't enjoy that part um but i really really like rose with the ninth doctor i really really like it and you're right she goes through this development and and it's an important story that she and she she grows up and and here she's she's just playing this sort of strange sort of it's it's almost like watching billy piper in doctor who rather than watching rose tyler yes i get it i get that yeah she didn't need to be here i like rose rose is my first companion yeah yeah i've got i've got a lot of affection for nine and rose i've gone and i've started listening to all the expanded media like the audio books and reading the comics that yeah. recapture that era because going through this watch with my fiance, I really enjoyed Nine Rose and Jack traveling together, and I wanted more. 
Yeah, same. They were really good. They were a really great team. Um, I, I started reading one of the comics recently, actually, mm. with the Ninth Doctor. I started watching, reading his first sort of run of comics. And it's lovely to see the three of them going on adventures. And oh, they're so fun. So much fun. But Rose in this, you know... I mean, I don't know whether... Like you said, you 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 think she shouldn't have come back full stop. I think I'm glad she did come back. But at the same time, if she hadn't, there wouldn't be a lot missing from this story for me. So it is an interesting one. Yeah, maybe, like I said, I really want to target novelization of this. So maybe that yeah. would be pushed out more. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think I think you would just do it as one large book. So you would do both episodes together as a compendium. But yeah, I think there's more you could expand on with Torchwood. There's more you could expand on with Rose. Mm. I mean, she just goes into a laptop shop and suddenly it's on the unit website. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because she that? can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad. But then there is that, there is, you know, okay, I, I want to talk about Davros, but as we're on Rose, we'll carry on. Um, so we get the we get the big cliffhanger for the episode where you know, Donna sees her across the way and the Doctor sees her for the first time and they have that big emotional running down the street moment. She's got that giant gun strapped to her. Um, that I also, also thought was a bit strange as well. Rose with a big gun. I don't know. Rose, Rose didn't carry guns. That, uh, yeah. But um, how would you feel about kind of from that point onwards of the of the episode? That's an interesting moment because I remember all the speculation at work and people saying, oh, do you think he's going to regenerate next week? But because I read SFX and I read Doctor Who magazine, I knew he had already filmed the next Doctor. So I was like, well, he's he's done the Christmas special, so he's not going to regenerate. There's going to be some MacGuffin that is going to, is going to just completely undermine that. I know RTD has said in recent years he wishes he had brought in a couple of other Doctors. Like had him turn into like Judy Dench or something and then turn back. <laughs> that would have been amazing. And he says he wishes he'd really milk that moment and just had all these other like famous people pop up and then just have David Tennant fight to come back. I think that would have been a great moment. But yeah, that, that whole moment was undercut for me because I knew he was hanging around for right. a few more. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. At that point, we did know he was doing a year of specials. Yeah. And then, or at least that's what we had been told. And then when that happened, I think for me, it just made me think, well, have they been lying to us? Is he staying for other specials? <laughs> or is this the moment? That, and then you think to yourself, you know, when you're a seasoned TV viewer, you think, nah, they're not going to get rid of the Doctor at the cliffhanger to the in the penultimate episode. That's just not good storytelling. If you're going to change him, you're going to do it at the end of the final episode. This is just a really, really odd point to do that. So you know he's not going to change. But it was interesting to kind of wait and see how that was going to be resolved. That, that, that was the big question, really, wasn't it? How was this going to be resolved? And it was just the MacGuffin. You're right, it was quite cheeky. But... Um, not not a bad not a bad um result. I love the look on their faces where they kind of when he doesn't change, they're just like, Oh <laughs> <laughs> that's it then, okay. Um but before we move too much further into that episode, um quick quick note on the return of Davros. Yes. How do you feel? Oh just exceptional. Just brilliant performance. I'm not surprised that when they brought Davros back for series nine. They mm. went to Julian Bleach again. And if we mm. ever see him again, I hope it's Julian Bleach. 
oh, it's him. It's got to be him. He's too good. Yeah, yeah. He he He's just so plays good. a good villain. I mean, he pops up a few times in Torchwood and Sarah Jane. Yeah. Uh, as different characters and he yeah. he's just menacing he's got this menace about him yeah definitely really really creepy he plays it so well love it they Go keep on. him in the shadows quite a lot and you just hear his claws yeah, he's chair. Oh, really bro. slowly revealed isn't he in this you yeah. don't see him you don't hear him you hear the voice but you know as a as a new who viewer who hadn't seen davros by that point you know i didn't know who he was so i was like well who is this weird creature in a wheelchair that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I thought you know and then you know, obviously he has an eye and you know it's Dalek so you know all that's happening um, but then at the same time I'm, tr- I'm trying to think back there might have been an element of Davros that had sort of seeped into the public consciousness kind of like Doctor Who and the TARDIS and the Daleks have I think I was aware of Davros see this is the weird thing I didn't grow up watching Doctor Who at all I'd never seen it before 2005 Mm. I knew the Doctor regenerated. Mm. I knew what a TARDIS was. I knew what a Dalek was. I knew what a Cyberman was. And I knew who Sarah Jane Smith was. So I think potentially I must have known who Davros was. Because Tom Baker would have been my parents' era a Doctor Who. So I remember, you know, when um, Reeves and Mortimer did Randall Hogkirk? Yes. In 2000. I remember Tom Baker popping up in that and my mom and dad going, oh, it's Doctor Who. Right. See, it was always there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So what are your final thoughts about the Stolen Earth? And should our listeners give a flux about this episode? Oh, it's fluxing brilliant. Aha, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, you should watch this. If you if you've never seen it, watch it. I mean, I was a big fan of comics growing up, so I love reading Superman and I was always I was always like overjoyed when like green lantern would show up in a superman comic and they'd have a chat so seeing this kind of crossover of of all these properties and you know doctor who was in its golden age here and i don't think it's ever going to reach this height again even though the entire band are back together i don't think they're going to get an album that hits quite like this but i can't wait to see them try amazing and how many naughty webcams out of 10 are you giving the stolen earth a solid eight out of naughty 10 webcams nice nice eight's a good score i think i'm going to go like nine i think i'm I'm really happy with this story um for me it is it's awesome to have all these characters back literally awesome and i don't think i expected it and I remember seeing the trailer for this episode and thinking, oh my God, they're literally all in it. This is huge. <laughs> and then seeing the the title sequence for this episode where all their names are flashing up. It's about 15 even, minutes long. Yeah. It, it is. And then you get like Eve Miles and Penelope Wilton and stuff in the their names flashing up at the at the start of the episode, which is not something Doctor Who normally does. And it suddenly it felt very big, and it still feels big watching it now. And this episode does rattle its way through. It's really it goes really quick for me whenever I'm watching this episode. It, it doesn't stop. The pace is very very good, and each of the characters gets their moment. There's a lot of good stuff in this. A, a really a lot of good stuff. I think so. For me, it's a nine. Do you remember uh, the week after this episode? So I think it was the the day after Journey's End. They put out an edited together version. 
So it was basically like a, a two-hour special that they put out. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, I watched it, and it, it flowed really well, but obviously you lose the cliffhanger because it, it's resolved instantly. Straight away. Yeah. Wow, I've never seen that. I w- I'd be interested to see how that feels. I think they put it on on BBC One on the Sunday. I seem to remember. Maybe I'm misremembering. Okay. That's cool. No, I don't remember that, but that's something I w- I'd be interested in seeing. I wish they could do that on, like, Blu-rays, which you could choose, like, to do that, or to, like, if there's deleted scenes, to add them back in. I wish you could just do that and watch, like, a massive version. I want on all the content, please, right now. That would be brilliant. That would make mm. people buy physical media again, I think. 100%. Or, like, to make you to be able to choose which ones to put in or something. That would be so interactive and cool. Mm. That's a side thought. Okay, cool. So let's turn to Journey's End then. Okay. And Martin, just so you know, you can hug me if you want. Okay. Um, so here, <laughs> so here is what uh, Wikipedia says about this episode. And actually, it's a very, very short description. Um, in this episode, the former traveling companions of the 10th Doctor prepare to counter the Daleks' universe-destroying reality bomb with devastating weapons of their own. That is all it says. Well, that's a pretty succinct description, really. It is, it is. So what do you think about this episode, then? I think it's weaker than Stolen Earth, but it's still fun. Stolen Earth did a really good job at building up the Daleks as being a threat again. Because the more you're exposed to them, the more ridiculous they become. The more ridiculous it becomes that they've not snuffed out the Doctor or the Doctor hasn't taken them out. Yes. And I think they did a really good job at making them threatening in Stolen Earth. And that kind of gets undone when they're pushing them around at the end and laughing. But I still, I really enjoy this episode. And if I watch Stolen Earth, I always do Journey's End immediately afterwards. You can't not, can you? It's too hard not to. Um, so do you think then that there's anything that could be better in this episode? Again, I, I think we could have spread this over a couple of shows like Sarah Jane and Torchwood. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you really needed Mickey and Jackie here. Okay. I mean, it, it makes sense Jackie would come. Uh, Mickey's a character I kind of have issues with, not because of Noel Clark or any of the stuff I won't go into that, that since come out. Yeah. Um, the allegations, but all of Mickey's character development happens off screen. Yeah. He goes from being kind of the reliable idiot and then he's back and he's this action star that we, we don't see that growth. And what, what was interesting is when my fiance and I were watching it all the way through, when he gets left on the parallel earth, my fiance went, Oh, well, the big finish audio is about him and Jake and, and their adventures, because I'd be interested in listening to those. And I thought, great, the one time she's expressed any interest in listening to <laughs> and it's a range that doesn't and will never exist now. Mm-hmm. That is typical. <laughs> <laughs> that is typical. It's a weird yeah. one, isn't it? Because I think it's nice. It's nice to see Jackie and Mickey. Yeah. Um, and it's already quite a full cast. So it's running the danger here of 
of it being too full and not giving all the characters something to do or or making it worth their while being there. But at the same time, I think if this was the last time that we were ever going to see all these characters, that is why they're there. Because it's probably treated as if this is going to be the only time they're all going to come back and this is it. You know, we we both know they do come back again, most of them. Um, and you know, it potentially they're going to come back again because of what's happening with the sixtieth and beyond. So yeah, it's a funny one. It's it's quite. I I love I love Jackie. I love seeing Jackie, but at the same time, I get what you're saying. She doesn't really need to be here. Yeah, I mean, the whole reason for Noel and Freema being in this one is they were meant to be in series three of Talford. Yes. And that, for me, is really interesting and kind of a right shame that we didn't get. I do wonder whether the plan was still to do Children of Earth with Freema and Noel, or whether it would have been a more conventional season three of Torture with those characters joining. I think it would have been, because... RTD, I think he said in The Writer's Tale that it was when he told Freema that it was dropping to five episodes. She then got offered 10 episodes of Law and Order. Uh, right. With that instead. So I think the original plan was for it still to be 13 episodes. Interesting. That is interesting. Because I I personally love Children of Earth so much. Oh, me too. Um, me too. Yeah, it's... Uh... In fact, it's been a while since I've watched it. I, I, I can, I can, I'm itching to see it again. You know, it's right there. Um, what a week of television that was! Oh, honestly, I can't even describe <laughs> it. I, it was just so good. Even people that had never seen Tortured that I knew that I knew were watching that week. It's just bizarre to think of the journey that show went on from BBC Three to BBC Two to BBC One, kind of massive event telly like that. It's shockingly massive and mad, but it it did and it it did so well. And then to America, I mean, whatever you think of Miracle Day, it's astonishing that this went from a little BBC Three show to America. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's weird because it's sort of it's the show that won't die. Like yeah. everybody keeps asking, like, oh, are they are they bringing torture back? Does this mean torture's back? It's always on everyone's kind of consciousness. Oh, and you know what's really like a bizarre turn of events is we're recording this on Tortured's seventeenth anniversary. Are we really? Yeah, yeah. It debuted second wow. of October two thousand and six. Well, many happy returns, Torchwood. <laughs> Oh, I love Torchwood. I do. I, I, I've got a weakness for it. I'm one of those people who does want it to come back in some way. I, I don't I don't necessarily think we need John Barrowman back. Um, I think the show could work without him, but it would be a very different show. But that's not a bad thing because Torchwood has changed. It's, it keeps on changing, and that's probably why it could still work. Um, but with the potential unit spin-off coming, then maybe that will kind of be enough for me if, if you get me if it is going to be i off. think i think the unit spin-off is 100 percent happening yeah it makes sense as a spin-off new fans know what unit is classic fans know what unit is and there is a gap in the market for a slightly darker take on what happens if the doctor doesn't show up yeah. and i think we're going to get a unit spin-off and i think possibly we're going to see characters from tortured pop up in unit 
Probably not John Barrowman. It'll probably be Sergeant Andy and Eve Miles. Oh, I just want Eve Miles back on my screen. Yeah, yeah. I love her so much. I love Gwen so much. You know, I, I didn't. All my friends really fancied Eve Miles. Oh. And I didn't with Tortured, but then I met her and I was like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, you get it. You're on the train now. <laughs> I like drinking with her once and I was like, yeah, I get why people like her. I think she's brilliant. I think that the character of Gwen is a really kind of flawed one. Yeah. And she goes through a hell of a journey through Torchwood. But every time it comes back to her, I'm like, I've missed you. I want more from you. So, yeah. I would love to see her come back and into unit. That would be that would be awesome. And now she's more famous than she was. Yes. She's gone on to do incredible things like proper prestige dramas that my parents watch yes she's no she's genuinely been like a breakout success and and she should come back i want her back please come back eve please (laughs) anyway (laughs) we digress um so i have a question for you about the 10th doctor then in this episode so do you think that this should have been the 10th doctor's final story oh i i I still think it should have been Waters of Mars. Oh, okay. I think he should have gone out there. I think Adelaide should have shot him and then herself. But wow. Different tale. Wow. That's, that is dark, but I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was a bit too dark for Doctor Who. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like... I didn't like the David... Well, actually, I like one of the David Tennant specials. I like Waters of Mars. I think that's such a strong episode. I'm glad we got that with him. But yeah, I could see them getting rid of him in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you could absolutely see it happening. And it's a shame they've never been able to pull off a surprise regeneration like that. And I guess they never will because it brings so much publicity to the show when you know there's a new Doctor coming. Like the regeneration episodes always do well. Yeah, I think because for, for me, from a for, this is a stronger story than the end of time is. That's just my opinion. Absolutely. Um, and so, and because all the characters are already in it, you know, they haven't had to find a way to just put them all in it at the end of the episode like they did in End of Time. I feel like perhaps from a character perspective and a plot perspective, this could have been the right time for him to go. Um, I feel the same about Peter Capaldi, who probably should have gone in The Doctor Falls. It would have been the perfect time for him to end his journey. 100%. Um, But alas, we got specials. But that's another story. It was just an interesting question I wanted to ask you. Um, And also, kind of, the, the, the main... Sort of, for me, the main part of The Doctor in this episode is the fact that... Obviously, like Martha has the Osterhagen key. She's willing to sacrifice the Earth to save the universe. And Jack and Sarah Jane have the warp star. You know, Davros sort of sums it up. Actually, I, I wrote this down. Um, the man who abhors violence, never carrying a gun. But this is the truth, Doctor. You take ordinary people and you fashion them into weapons. Behold your children of time transformed into murderers. I made the Daleks, Doctor, but you made this. I think that is really the big story beat for the Doctor in this episode. He is surrounded by these people that he has had such a profound influence on in his life. And he sees them jumping to the weapons and jumping to the fight. So I wanted to know how you felt about that. 
Davros is correct. Like the doctor yes. likes to pretend they're this moral person that would never do anything untoward. But let's be honest, you know, the the doctor's killed. The doctor will kill. And they just like to pretend that they won't. And yeah, absolutely. Look at what Jack is now. <laughs> From yeah. the time traveling con man. And now he's lived through like three world wars twice. I think Davros is correct. He is correct. He's a proper sh like sh shining up a mirror, isn't he, to the Doctor, and just being like, "This is what you have done. This is what you do, and you think you're better than me." <laughs> and that's a really interesting pers perspective, and it's really interesting for us to get it as well for David Tennant's Doctor to be to be shown that so explicitly. And it's important, I think, because his his Doctor go you know continues to go through a journey into these specials where he becomes bigger than his boots. And yeah. and he goes too far several times, and it's 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 just an interesting start. I think this is the interesting kind of start because the Doctor knows this, but the Tenth Doctor being forced to address it at this point is what kind of takes him on his character's journey through the specials. Absolutely, and it's interesting to see Rose learn what she did to Jack. Yes, that is interesting. Because, because she, she doesn't know, does she? But yeah, she doesn't know that she made him immortal. And interestingly, this is the one time Jack dies and doesn't do the <gasps> as he yeah. comes back. Is he doing yeah. that as a choice every other time? Yes, I thought that too. Yeah, how could he just decide to just kind of like wink? You know? <laughs> I'm still here. Um, yeah. Maybe it's like um, Mr. Smith when he has his fanfare. The, the, oh, that's, that's Jack's fanfare when he comes back. He likes to make a big song and dance about it, which does sound about right, to be fair. Or maybe if he makes the conscious decision not to do it, he can switch it off. Maybe. Before maybe. he dies. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's mm -hmm. weird. But yeah, it's a good way to get him out. And, you know, the Daleks think he's been disposed of. Um, what do you make of the Meta Crisis, Doctor? Well... I feel like I understand it. It makes sense. It's quite a clever little cheeky little story device um, in order to save Donna and to um, allow there to be multiple doctors here to kind of help. I get that. Um, I think it's hard to discuss the Mental Crisis Doctor without discussing the end of Rose's story um, because they are so linked and for me, the end of Rose's story has always been a bit grey, and I'm not fully on board because I feel like I'm, I think I'm probably of the camp where I think the Metacrisis Doctor isn't really the Doctor. And for Rose to settle with him, or settle for him, I feel like she is settling for him, I guess. And that she's letting the real Doctor go. And I find that a bit strange considering all that she has done to get back to the Doctor. Billy Piper said something similar recently. Oh, really? Yeah, when she was doing... She's got a show called I Hate Susie. Yes. And when she was doing promo for the second series, a journalist asked, um, would you go back to Doctor Who? Or were there any plot points in Doctor Who that you wish were different? And she said she always felt like Rosie's ending wasn't satisfying. Do you think it was satisfying? Not really, because, yeah, like you said, she does just settle for this other man. And what does that do to him? 
Yeah. Like he's a person with feelings and stuff, and he's always going to know he was a consolation prize. Yeah. And obviously, we're not in a position to have that addressed. Not certainly in the show. Yeah. Because they're gone. Because that, you know, you know, we know the kind of the 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 fact that Billy Piper was, you know, in it for a bit because she's gone to do bigger and better things. Um, and it's not it's not a story we can um involve ourselves with. And so it's just left. And for me, I think I always just felt like he was there so that Rose could kind of have a happy ending, but I don't necessarily feel that. Yeah, you had to explain why Rose wasn't in those specials that were coming. Yeah. Uh, there is a story. I think there's a there's a book where you find out that they've had a kid together. Yes, um, I've started reading a comic actually with them in it. Uh, I want to say it's it's an eleventh Doctor and eighth Doctor comic with Rose. Oh, Empire of the Wolf. Yes, I've just recently started reading that. I've only read the first issue, um, and that's quite good. I, I like the fact that we're exploring this, and 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 it's because I just I feel like it is it's too big an opportunity not to explore somewhere. Yeah, I'm surprised Big Finish haven't haven't got on this. I mean, even David Tennant's not available. You could get, say, Jacob Dubman in. He does a really good 10th Doctor. Yes, he does. You could get him, and it because his voice isn't 100%, it wouldn't matter because he's playing a different version of the Doctor. It would have been really interesting to explore this, and I hope some sort, I hope Big Finish do at some point, because I just want to know, yeah, what what's going through this guy's mind? He doesn't even get a choice if the, if he gets foisted onto, onto Rose or not. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, it's strange. He just accepts it. He just stands there. And I know he's got the thoughts and feelings of the 10th Doctor, or, you know, but then he's got the aggression of the 9th Doctor. Um, I, I, it's a bit murky for me. It's just a bit muddy. I don't really understand. And like, we, we don't know how the Doctor would cope with actually being human. Mm. knowing what he knows and of course there was that deleted scene where they were given a piece of tardis to grow their own did you did you see that i've seen that yeah it's a shame yeah. that wasn't kept in uh if there's a novelization i bet that will 100 percent yeah put in. yeah it makes sense It'd just be interesting to see human doctor traveling the universe well, yes, absolutely, because there, there's there's almost there's more jeopardy with that because he can die, <laughs> and I know the doctor can die, but a human guy with all that knowledge, mm. I also don't really understand that he's human or part human, part time lord. He's okay to survive with his memories, but Donna isn't. <laughs> well, that was just they had to explain. Catherine Tate leaving. <laughs> Literally, it's the only reason, isn't it? And actually, as we're on Donna, let's talk about Donna because I feel like we have to. Because at this point, she is the most important person in the universe. And I wanted to know what your thoughts were on the kind of culmination of Donna's story, you know, heroic Dr. Donna Nesson, and of course, her sad, tragic ending. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? It's, it's worse than dying. It is. Because she loses who she was. And, uh, you know, we're going to get it resolved, whether it be satisfactorily or not, in the 60th. Here's my theory of how that's going to be resolved. Okay. Um, her child is going to have inherited part of the meta crisis. And because they can split it across two brains, she she's going to be fine. Interesting. 
I like that. Yeah, so maybe she won't get her full memories, or maybe she will, but because because the Time Lord bit can be split between two of them, it, it's going to be fine. That's what I think is going to happen. Ooh. That would make sense. There is logic there. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Whether or not RTD does that, I don't know. I always thought that maybe it was just that specific Doctor and those adventures she wasn't allowed to remember, but she clearly knows what the TARDIS is. In yes. This Yes. Oh, yeah. No, she's she's clearly got her memories back in the trailer, hasn't she? Like she she does. Um, I have some of the other guys I've spoken to, um, on this uh podcast journey have been convinced that she's still going to die, because she is the most faithful companion, and she only she didn't really die. She kind of died, but she didn't. Um, so I don't think that's gonna happen. Not in a celebration episode of sixty years. No. You don't you don't kill off your golden goose. I mean, she she is going to be part of the draw with Tennant coming back. And let's be honest, he's going to play the fourteenth Doctor exactly like the tenth Doctor. Oh yeah, of course he is. People who haven't watched it since he's left don't want to see. You know, a lot of people have said, "Why isn't he doing it with his native Scottish accent?" It's because people who haven't watched since he left don't want to see that. No, of course not. Uh, yeah, and the, the only reason they've made him a new doctor is they've got to explain him being older. Yes. <laughs> so that's what we're getting, and they're not going to kill Donner off. They're not going to kill off the companion that they could bring back in 10 years for the 70th and have people come back again. Yep, I think you're right. I, 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 I can't see it happening, but it's, it's an interesting theory. And I think possibly if the unit spin-off is happening, Rose is going to go on to work for them. As in Donna's daughter. Donna's Rose. Yes, I quite like to see that too. That's that's I like I like the fact that already he's building a world again with multiple yeah. characters across multiple shows using old characters and new. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, and let's be honest, that sticker on the front of the building says home of the Hooniverse. It doesn't say home of Doctor Who. That's so right, it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hundred percent. But back to Donna in this episode. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, it's fine. I love a tangent. Um, I think it was really clever. Actually, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't guess what was going to happen with Donna in terms of her being a the Doctor Donna, even though the seeds were planted from quite early on in the in the series. Um, and I thought it was really like I'm in two minds about this because I think that you know how Donna always doesn't think very highly of herself yeah and i i always think to myself that it would have been great for her to get to a point where she realizes that she's enough as she is without needing to have become part time lord like she's already good enough and it would have been nice for her to get to that point without that but at the same time i did enjoy the fact that catherine tate got to um, kind of take the piss a little way that Tennant performs by using some of his mannerisms <laughs> as the Doctor Donna, and I really enjoyed that. So it's it's a it's a tale of two halves for me. And then of course she does tragically get her memory taken from her, and um, I wanted to ask you actually about that because a lot of people online uh, don't like the fact that the Tenth Doctor just takes her memories from her kind of without consent. Uh, and I wanted to know if you had a take on that. Well, he's healing her, isn't he? You know, if um, 
if a doctor was driving down the road and saw somebody, you know, passed out and they needed to do the chest compressions, they're not going to get that person's permission to do the chest compressions to save them. So he's saving it. If he doesn't do that, she's going to die. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a consent issue, but I don't expect a doctor to ask my consent to save my life. And also, she does know what it means. She knows that she can't retain this memory, even though yeah. she's there. I think it's just it's just so sad because she's pleading she doesn't want to go. Yeah. And the the frustrating thing is, obviously, there's a time issue here. Um, in the in the plot, you know, it's just it's got to happen now because it, her brain's being, I don't know, burnt up or whatever. Um, but at the same time, had the doctor Donna had more time to think about it, she probably could have come up with a solution because she's part human, part time lord, not just time lord. Maybe, maybe, but um, mm. you know, maybe the solution took I don't know how old's her, her kid, like twenty. Yeah. Uh, it's taken 20 years for a solution to present itself. So if the yeah. doctor had done that in that moment, she would have died pretty soon after and then wouldn't have a, wouldn't have a family, wouldn't have a kid, wouldn't have a life. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. And then of course we get like the triumphant sort of moments with all the companions working together. I know they are pushing Daleks around, but <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, but it's quite nice to have them all together in the same room, all in the TARDIS, flying the TARDIS. Um, uh, for me, for me, that works. It could have been... I'm Okay, it is cheesy. It could have been too cheesy, but for me, it's just cheesy enough. How about you? Yeah, it's on the right side. Yeah, I... I could see why fans might roll their eyes at it and be like, oh, six pilots, really. But no, I like it. And yeah, I I love that we see them all working together and smiling and, you know, just just happy to be alive and to survive the, the adventure and to be together. It does feel very celebratory, um, even in a weird meta way. You know, they're all there and celebrating the end of this era because this is what this feels like the end of this era for me. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that because I get the I get the urge that when you're a new showrunner, you want to create a jumping on point for people and you want to bring in your own ideas. But other than Stephen Moffat doesn't want to do it, there's no reason that these characters don't meet again. Um, yes, you're right, because he could have used some of those characters. He just chose not to. Yeah, especially with a good man goes to war. Like if you're going to a war you take your immortal friend who's got military experience. Mm -hmm. And it just I doesn't happen. That was the plan, though, wasn't it? I think I think he did. I think the plan was for that to be Captain Jack, but something went wrong. Maybe. I mean, that's Scuttlebutt. I mean, John Barrowman claimed he was never asked, but it could be uh... even if it put a call in to his agent to find out dates, and the agent was like, oh, yeah, he's just not available. And yeah, then could be. that's where it ended. It just never got to John. That could that, you know, I could totally foresee that happening. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's no reason. Actually, yeah, I think she she died pretty soon as soon as Matt Smith became the the doctor. I was gonna say there's no reason. Oh no, he does go and see her, doesn't he, Matt Smith? He's in uh, Death of the Doctor and Sarah Jane. Yeah, sorry. Yes, I, yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, 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 he does. That's such. Yeah, that, that's really nice to see as well. I like that. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I just I wish that when you know when an era ends, it didn't feel like it was the end of an era. I wish it felt that these people could come back at some point. Yes, it's sort of it's sort of like the the kind of unwritten rule, isn't it? It's sort of like we don't talk about it, but these actors are still about, and the characters still exist. So there's no reason why they can't meet again. And I feel like the the part of the fun of this show is having the characters come back, and and it it, it makes you excited. I mean, I mean, look look at the trailer for the Power of the Doctor when Ace and Tegan flashed up. I mean, the world went wild. Yeah, it it was it was huge. And I think and you know, Bonnie Langford coming back now in, in the new series, it, it just it's created such a buzz. And so we know that's we know now that's what's going to happen moving forward. So it is nice. But I get what you're saying, it is it's kind of it's a it's a showrunner thing rather than the show thing, isn't it? Yeah, it just becomes like you're patting yourself on the back. And we got it with Moffat again. And I'm kind of done with the big grandiose speeches that the Doctor does when they regenerate. I'm glad Jodie Whittaker didn't have that. She was just like, yeah. you know, yeah. we get Howdy going, the bins go out on a Wednesday. And <laughs> I can't remember it. But whatever he said. And then we get Matt Smith. I will always remember when the Doctor was just, yeah, I can't do the voices. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just... I just wish it didn't feel like the end of each era. And I get why fans dipped off with David Tennant. You know, in his last few episodes, we get him going, no, I'm going to die. And this new bloke's going to, you know, I'm dying. The era that you loved, it's dying. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I feel like that did a huge disservice to the show. Yes, it's a strange one, isn't it? Actually, on that note, it's quite a weird... um... The last beat of this episode is the Doctor by himself in the TARDIS. And he yeah. looks quite sad. And I find that a really strange final image and feeling for this story, which in all other ways is a big heroic triumph um, with just all these characters he says goodbye to and he knows he can come back and see them because they're there for him and they're never going... You know, he's not going to... Um, not want to come and see them. I, I don't get that. He's this was like a this was a nice way to say goodbye to people. Other than the Rose thing, you know, like Martha, Jack, and Mickey going off to do their own thing, and Sarah Jane. You know, there's there's no reason, like you said, why the next Doctor we needed help couldn't have gone to these people. Um, so it's a weird one that he just decides to be like all sad and moping in the TARDIS at the end of this series. And I guess I guess it has to be like that because they made the choice to do a year of specials without a companion. I, I guess it's a it's a show, it's a it's a behind the scenes decision rather than a than a plot decision. But I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I guess because Moffat was taken over, you need you need him to be companionless because he's going to do the big jumping on point. So to mm. have him travel with, even if it had been Jack or if it had still been Donna, you'd then have to wrap them up with that special and where they've gone and I guess doing it as a series finale and then special with him by himself kind of makes a bit more sense. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, this wasn't the original ending. We were going to get a what, 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 but uh, Benji Cook talked Russell T Davis out of including that. Oh, really? Yeah. It's in the writer's tale is Benjamin Cook. um, He's, he's watched a rough edit. And he says that it completely undermines the emotional heart of the episode. Mm. The, t- the 
what was it? The TARDIS was going to be invaded by Cybermen. They were going to walk in. Oh, and right. What, what, and then it led into the next Doctor. Oh, no, that that isn't the right feeling, is it? It, it's, it is right that he would be contemplative because at the end of the day, journeys end. That's the whole point of the episode. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a bit later on, isn't there, in... Um, it must be the end of time at some point where uh, he says that he doesn't, he's traveling on his own because all his companions break his heart or break his hearts. And I always found that a little bit difficult because he, I understand why it's all sad why they've left, but it isn't like the end. Like he's Hmm. a time traveler. He's got a spaceship. He can go and see them if he wants to. Like, I just, I just don't get it. It's I like it... Smith says once, I can go to all the Captain Jack stag nights in one, in one day. Yes. And it's like, well, so why is Tennant so melancholic about yeah. these people again? It doesn't make any sense. And I get why he'd be sad about Donna. You know, he can't go and see her again. That's the big one. Yes, that's but... the really, really big one. But, but yeah, yeah, he can pop into torture at any time and go see Jack. He'd be happy to see him. Yeah. It's uh, so it is. It is a strange way to end the series, um, but it's weird because it's it's sort of a beat that I don't always remember. To be fair, mm. I think I think about all the 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 other big kind of happier moments of the episode, and that is how I kind of generally remember this episode to be. So, what are your final thoughts about Journey's End, and do you think our listeners should give a flux about it? Oh yeah, you should do this as a double bill with Stolen Earth, and I would give this seven naughty webcams out of ten. Also, slightly less. Slightly less. I think it's weaker than Stolen Earth. Yeah, I think but, it's a lot of the time second parts are difficult, aren't they, to the first parts? It's a solid seven webcams. Solid seven webcams. Yeah. I think I'm going to join you at a seven. I think you're right. There are there are too many things in this that don't quite don't quite hit the mark but there's so much good stuff as well oh absolutely when we get the novelization we'll probably change our opinion it'll be a 10 out of 10 very possibly until that day day, it's a seven yeah absolutely amazing oh martin thank you so much for joining me on this chat i have really really enjoyed it um i will link to your socials in the show notes as well so people can follow you and continue the conversation before we go though i would like you to tell our listeners about your podcast please yeah so i have a new podcast called bite me and it's about buffy and i host that with my good friend joe ford if you listen to a Doctor Who podcast, you know who Joe is. He does about... Of course you do. <laughs> so, yeah, we talk about Buffy. We're going through series one at the moment, episode by episode, and we're just giving our thoughts and opinions on it. It's really, really fun, and we've had so much positive feedback come from Buffy fans that I'm excited to record every week. Oh, that's so good to hear. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun talking to Joe about Buffy. And you know, I've never spoken to him about Buffy. I've only talked to him about Doctor Who. Well, um, we'll get you on. We'll get you on. Yeah, I'm going to have to come on because I am, as I said to you earlier before we started recording, I am a Buffy and Angel fan. Um, big, big time. Like, big time. I, re- I really was. I'm looking forward to that new Audible thing they've got going on, that Slayers thing. Oh, I've heard it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, is it good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. It's on my list. I will get to it. Excellent. Oh, amazing. Okay, so listeners then, what do you think about The Stolen Earth and Journey's End? Are they the most important episodes in the whole wide universe, or do you want to forget them? Because if you remember them just for a second, you will burn up. I want to know. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. Thank you very much for listening. Please like and subscribe. And if you'd be so kind as to drop me a cheeky little review, that would be amazing because it will help other listeners to find the podcast. And of course, if you want to be a part of the conversation or if you want to join me for an episode, get in touch with the links in the show notes. So Martin, please say your goodbyes. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a lot. It's been a real, real pleasure. And honestly, you're going to have to come back and do your duds and studs. Oh, I'd love to. You need to get your thinking cap on then because it's not an easy thing to do, okay? I'm told everyone tells me it's very, very hard. I know it's hard and I haven't had to make the list yet, but um, that is your homework. Excellent. I'll get cracking. Amazing. And everybody else, I'll catch you on the next episode of Who Gives Flux. (laughs) 